Welcome, friends, to Game Master's Studio, where we talk shop about running tabletop role-playing games. With us today is Jared and Ed, with your host, Jerry. Hello, and welcome to Game Master's Studio, where we'll be talking about tabletop role-playing games and tips and tricks that you can use to bring your own game at home to the next level. Today, we're going to be talking about game flow, keeping the game moving along when those inevitable obstructions come up to slow things down. My name is Jerry, a.k.a. Frieden. I'm going to be your host and moderator today. With me in the studio is Jared, proprietor of Mad Doc Designs, creator of the World of Wrath, and semi-professional DM, and Ed. So, wait, are we talking about hustle and flow? Uh, you're halfway there. Yeah. So we're talking about game flow at the table today, how to keep things moving along, how to keep players. This is ties into our previous ones about keeping players engaged, but it's more about how to keep the game moving and keep those obstructions, which will come up. Things are going to going to slow the game down. Things are going to get sidetracked, but how to keep it back on track and keep it going to advance your game, advance your storyline and let everybody enjoy what you've got at the table. So, what are your tips for keeping things moving when they start to slow down? Hmm. Well, first of all, I think personally, because we've spent a lot of time talking about it in a previous episode, we shouldn't spend a lot of time talking about how to speed up combat because that's one of the, like, that's a big time suck at your yeah. table. Like, we've talked about combat and keeping combat flowing. So I think this is this episode is just to clarify for those listening. I think we're going to focus more on, like, Everything like things that are going to happen randomly at your table, things that you're not going to expect your player, you're going to come out of your players' mouths. You know, not necessarily time managing your combats. That's that's a that's a kind of another topic. I think this is also a case where where combat is part of the game. So whether it's moving quickly or slowly, the game is still happening, and we should be looking a little bit more at stuff that's that's not gaming. Um, right. Whether it's side conversations, whether it's arguments, whether it's pizza delivery, rules lawyering. Yeah, yeah, exactly, all that kind of stuff. So. Yeah, I think one of the the first thing for keeping your game flowing is, I mean, obviously keeping your players on point, which in itself is a task, <laughs> depending be. on the group. When you, you know. get distracted, it sure can be. Yeah. Look, you know, this is obviously, you know, gaming's supposed to be a bunch of friends sitting around a table, you know, having some fun, you know, and gaming is part of that. But another part of that is just, hey, this is the thing that I did earlier today, or hey, did you see that movie? Yeah. And people will start kind of going off subject a bit here. Um, you know, and I think, you know, let them a little bit. It's going to happen. Yeah, it's, yeah, I mean, you don't want to crack down on it, but eventually you want to be like, okay, guys, so this is where it's, we're coming at, you know, at this point in the game. You just try to reel them back in when you get that chance. And I, th- I think you should also be doing some time budgeting there. Um, if you're going to have a game that you want to start at noon, ask people to show up by 11. Give mm-hmm. them an hour to come in and set their stuff up and talk a little bit. I had a game that used to run once a month. And that was the only time that the people of the game saw each other. So we would often show up by noon and not start playing until 2 or 2.30 because we're spending all that time catching up, getting in touch. So you just have to kind of, I think, budget that in. But yeah, if it gets excessive, you do need to step in and go, okay, let's get to the game now. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, an important thing to make a note of is no matter how many times you listen to this episode and learn tricks or no matter how many 
blogs you read or whatever, like you just have to accept that there's always going to be a certain degree of that. You know what I mean? Like it's just going to happen. So again, it just kind of comes down to how much do you let it happen? So, you know, your players get off topic a little bit. Hey, did you see the new Avengers movie? First of all, if it's two players that aren't currently being engaged, like say you're having a conversation with an NPC and two other players, and it's these other two players, you know, player A and B you're having a conversation with, Mm -hmm. player C and D are the ones like, oh, hey, did you see the new Avengers movie? If they're kind of keeping it quiet and off to the side and not bothering the rest of the table, you could let it go. Other DMs, like I personally want everyone to be paying attention at all times, who doesn't, you know what I mean? Because right. this could be an important yeah. conversation. But you might let, just let that go as long as they're not bothering anyone. But if they're being loud, then you might have, you just need to stop the game for a second. Like, look, guys, I'm, or, you know, you're, you're disrupting the table. You know, they're just call a spade a spade. You know, like, you're, you're disrupting. We're trying to role play over here. You know, could you kind of keep it down? You know, maybe this, you know, or screw them a little bit. Make it really important. Make that conversation really important. <laughs> right. Make it really important and have there be like a pop quiz, so to speak, in the game, like right afterwards, like throw a puzzle at them or some sort of trap where they don't know the answer to it because they weren't paying attention right. to the conversation. You know what I mean? If you, that's one thing you can kind of condition your players in game by doing these like subtle pop quizzes, as I call them, traps, quizzes, pops, you know, pops, traps, puzzles, um, uh, fights or whatever, you know, like, but any kind of, like, some sort of uh, cause and effect situation where, like, since you weren't paying attention, you don't know how to deal with X problem or X trap or, you know, Y monster or whatever it is. So you should be paying attention because you never know what's going to happen. I'm actually, in many ways, a fan of if, you know, A and B are having this conversation and C and D are off in the marketplace, it's fine if C and D are having that side conversation as we talk about something else, as long as when we come back to them, they, they jump right back into the game. Because I, as a DM, and also as a player, am a huge fan of different players having different amounts of knowledge. Right. Um, you know, I right. don't yeah, like it as, as a DM. Personally, I don't like it. There's no way to stop it. But to have... Player A and B go to the king and talk to the king and C and D in the marketplace and C and D listen in. And then when they get back, player A says, oh, and I tell them everything that happened at the conversation. No, you don't. <laughs> you know, because they were they were listening anyway, so they might have well have been there. I love it when they come back and they're like, oh, so what did the king say? Oh, well, and then the player has to paraphrase what happened and try to remember and put in the details and, and, and figure out what the meeting was and remember that. Um, I think it makes for a more organic session because mm-hmm. it is playing that game of telephone, which also leads to some hilarious miscommunications further down the road between mm-hmm. the players, which is a wonderful opportunity to throw in extra plot twists and extra changes to uh, to keep the game moving and interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but again, that's kind of, in my opinion, different than what I was, envis- I was envisioning. Like All the players were in the same spot, or all the characters of these players are in the same locale. And these two okay. are being disruptive while I'm, you know, I'm talking to these two, but they are present. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, if they're in a different place, then, yeah, do whatever you want. Because, again, like, you know, player, you know, character knowledge should be different if, you know, for people that aren't there. Um, but, yeah, in, again, in my in my scenario, in my head, I, which I didn't clarify, was all characters of these players were present at the same time. I just happened to be actually engaging those, those first two. You're talking to the bard and the sorcerer, well, the... Barbarian and the clerics player are talking about the new yeah. movie. And you could say, you know, role-playing-wise, they're in the corner of the room snickering and talking to each other, and you, again, you could get away with that. That's up to you as a DM in that moment of what kind of choices you want to make. 
But since the focus of the you know the episode is yeah. disruption and how to handle it, yeah. <laughs> another thing you can do is engage them. You know, if they are supposed to be in the same area, you know, everyone's in the king's hall, but only the you know two players are talking to him. The other two are kind of snickering. You know, uh, depending on the character you have, there maybe it's the king or the queen or the guard, someone like you know like stomps a staff or, you know, their foot down or something and looks at them and says, is there something I can help you with? Mm-hmm. You know, because they're, they're talking and that sort of thing. Yeah. You know, you kind of bring them back into it. You engage them. Or you could always look at the two of them and be like, uh, hey, uh, roll perception. Yeah. You know? You're not involved in what's going on, so you yeah. notice something else. Yeah, maybe there's something else going on. Mm-hmm. You know, give them that thing. You know, um and there's always a fine line. You, you're going to have your side conversations. It's going to happen. But there's also a time where it's like, you, you guys kind of need to be paying attention. So I'm going to bring you, I'm going to reel you back in. Yeah. Instead of saying, hey, guys, pay attention. I'm yeah. going to reel you back in. Instead of being the teacher, look, guys, attention. this is going to be on the test. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Subtly reeling them in. You know, perception roll is a good one. I like that. Um or also your own D20 roll, where you just kind of like roll a D20 like two or three times behind the screen, and then just kind of like scan the players and be like, all right. Oh, uh, oh go ahead, you were saying? And all of a sudden, all the players are like, what just happened? Like in their head, they're like, what did he just do? Roll, roll a D20. Steve, what's your, what's your wisdom score? Oh, Okay. Another thing that I like to do, again, because we use D20 Pro, like we've talked about in previous conversation, is instead of, like, making, like, moving a token across the map, like, how much are they really paying attention, you know what I mean? Like, maybe this guard slash potential assassin is kind of setting himself up and positioning himself for, like, a backstab kind of thing, you know what I mean? Like, this token is just... You know, I'll just move him a couple feet, you know, like five, ten feet at a time, just a couple squares at a time. I'm just going to have him start moseying over next to the characters that aren't paying attention. And I'll look at their, per- you know, and I'll be fair. I'll Okay, their per- their passive perception is an 11. Right. Okay, and they're clearly not paying attention in-game or, you know, out-of-game. You know, they're, they're talking at the table. They're in-game. Their character has a low passive perception. They're not paying any attention to this dude that's going over here and slowly sneaking himself into position to... Um, you just took seven damage. Whoa, wait, what? Oh, uh, yeah, you know, this dude, you weren't paying attention. This dude just came up and stabbed you in the back. Wait, what? What is going on? Yeah. <laughs> what just happened? Right. <laughs> well, if you were paying attention, you would have noticed this dude's coming over near you and, like, making a big deal out of getting behind you, and boom, you got a dagger in between your spine. So, what are some other things that, you know, can be a distraction to the table? Rules lawyering, I think. I, I oh, yeah, that, that yeah. could be a big one. Yeah. You I, know, when it's. You want to run things fairly, you know, if you're maybe a little bit more lawfully, lawfully aligned, which goes in with our last uh, podcast uh, episode, <laughs> uh, you, I mean, you want to run things, you know, as by the book as you can, you know, it, you know, you want to be flexible too. You want to, you know, want to know that some, some of the things in the book either aren't going to make sense or not going to kind of work right or whatever, but you want to follow the rules. And then all of a sudden you make a ruling and then a player disagrees with it. You know, and maybe they can find it in the book where it contradicts the ruling you just made. Maybe they can. Um, I know I've had my fair share and I've been on both sides of it where you, you know, you want it to work the way that it works there and you have your interpretation of it. So you want to point that out and be like, hey, maybe this should work like this. So that can be something that GMs, you know, will have to face. I had a group that was a large group. It was eight or nine players. 
I was running, and there was another three GMs in the party, mm-hmm. like people who who ran games on you know other days or other sessions for other groups or whatever. And I don't remember what the situation was, but something came up, and it was being argued three different ways as to how we're going to do it in game. We could do this, we could do that, we could do this. And I finally, and this was just off the top of my head, and worked out wonderfully. Was I said, "This is what we're going to do." The DM has spoken. Yeah. And they all understood that that meant this is how it's going to happen right now. That session is no longer open for discussion. At the next break that the group took, you know, I talked to the guys. I'm like, okay, we can look into this. We can do it later. I just wanted to keep it going because we were going on 15 minutes of arguing how this one action on one turn should go. Right. And, you know, by that time, we should have gone all the way around the table. Yeah, that can kill a game. That can kill the flow of a game. Oh, man, I don't think I've ever let anything go more than, like, three or four minutes. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's hard because you want your, you want your, you know, uh, you want your players to feel like they have input. You want everyone to feel like you're being fair. And a lot of people only get that feeling if they see it in the book. Yeah. You know, so, like, when you say, I'm the GM, this is my ruling, this is how we're doing it. There's going to be some players who don't like that. Well, in, yeah, there can be backlash. But that it comes, led to that to that group in the future. Yeah, because I had to do that a couple more times in the future. Just the, the DM has spoken. That's my way of saying this is how we're doing it now. If we want to continue this discussion later on and figure out something different for the future, we yeah. can. But we need to move forward with the game. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I personally, I try to quickly. I do like I try not to even let it be much of a conversation to be honest with you. Like and not in a, like in a rude way, I just start to quickly pass over it like it's not a big deal and just move on with my life. Right. I mean, yeah. Jerry's been in several of my games where he's looked up the rule for me. I'm like, feel free to look it up. We'll talk about it when the game's over and we'll fix it and you know we'll go, you know, we'll whatever the yeah. ruling is, we'll do it that way in the future or whatever. But right now this is what we're gonna do. Okay. Right. You know what I mean? Like just like I'm cool, it's not a big deal. It's not even worth arguing about. Let's just, right. this is what I'm saying. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But right now, this is what's happening. The only time that Show me I'm wrong later. The only time that doesn't work is if, like, a player, or I guess a character's life could hinge on it, or, like, some big event could hinge on this rule. Right. And, and it's, it's like, wait a second, I don't think that's how the rule works. Yeah. And, 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 and I fully agree that, that the circumstances should be taken into account. Yeah. Is the character going to die, yes or no? Then we should figure this yeah, out. If it's some throw Is it whether or not you hit the goblin? Right, exactly. It doesn't need to be discussed. Right. Yeah, obviously there, there's it's, varying it's, degrees of severity. Um, and I think another reason why typically I don't think it goes on for very long is because I nine times out of ten will rule in favor of my players anyways. You know what I mean? So if it's one of those things where like, okay, well... Oh, you could die. You know, you're fine. Don't worry about it. Okay, it, right, rule, right. it rules in your favor. However, you think it was supposed to work, that rules in your favor. Right. That's that's cool. We'll figure it out later. We'll know yeah. for next time. Yeah. You know, it's basically just like let's put a bookmark in it. It's a learning experience for the whole table. We'll know next time. But right now, I don't care enough at the right, table right. to friggin' spend more than three minutes talking about this conversation because I want to keep the game going. Exactly. One of the other things that you brought up earlier with our games that I've seen has been useful is the rules lawyer. Now, I know it's an awful term, especially on the internet, you know, nobody wants to be a rules lawyer, but we have been running games with the rules lawyer being somebody who knows the rules really well, mm-hmm. has a copy of the handbook at hand, of the rules book at hand, and knows how to use it, knows how to look stuff up. And often, if there starts to be any sort of a rules dispute, as soon as there's any sort of dispute, the lawyer's already looking to see what the actual rule is, mm-hmm. and that can often help, help speed things up if you have somebody who's 
predictive and able to use those books and just go yeah. through and like this is what it officially says. DM makes a quick ruling and boom, we're off. The game's going again. Yeah, because it's a derogatory term, I've never referred to Jerry as a rules lawyer. But yeah, he's kind of like I mean, again, just looking at it as a neutral term. Like I've used Jerry basically like as almost like more of an assistant DM role in several mm-hmm. games where like. He sees the potential. He sees what's coming up. He sees the roadblock that we're facing. He's looking it up while I'm dealing with what I'm dealing with. Yeah. And then, pretty much about the time that I need the answer, he, you know, like say I start to say something. If I'm wrong, he'll be like, "Well, this is what the book says." Okay, cool. Thank you. Yeah. You know, boom. Now we know. Let's move on. You know what I mean? I don't think there's ever been but one time that someone's brought up a rule at the table where I was like getting red in the face, like. Oh, 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 but that was another player in another game. It was Jason. Um, (laughs) But uh, we were arguing about uh, a spell. I won't get into all the details, but we were arguing about how a spell could be used in a certain situation. And he was trying to basically do something that he shouldn't have been able to do. And I was getting really frustrated because I'm like, I wanted X to happen. And while I'm perfectly okay with a player thwarting my plans, like, I don't think he can just make up freaking spells at the same time. You know what I mean? And he was just trying to pull everything out of his butt to keep this thing from happening. Well, what about this spell? What about this spell? Well, this spell says this. I'm like, actually, that's not how that spell works. And I'll pull it up and read it to you right now. And I'm getting really frustrated that I am that I am reading shit out of the book. Right. <laughs> I don't read things out of the book to defend myself against players, damn it. You're clearly new here. Right. <laughs> I find it hilarious that Jared says that's only happened once. He said it was a different player in a different game. And I immediately came up with a different player, a different situation that I remember things getting flustered over. So, um, Oh, well, it's probably happened more than once, but that's the one that sticks yeah. in my head, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, when there's a disagreement, when there's a dispute... You know, get to a resolution, move quickly, move on. But I think as a DM, generally, be open with your players. Yep. If you think I handled something something wrong, talk to me about it. Um, I know I'm planning on starting my next game with, hey, here's a list of stuff I did wrong last game. And mm. this is how we can address that yep. going forward. And that's part of it. Be, as a GM, be willing to admit that you're wrong. It's, it's okay. Just because the GM is God doesn't mean the GM is infallible. It just means if we're playing this game and I want something to happen, it will. But that doesn't mean that I'm going to, you know. And that doesn't mean that if I made an incorrect ruling, I won't either try to fix it down the line or just admit, okay, that ruling was wrong. It works like this. That's how we're going to go forward. Yeah, That's perfectly acceptable. That's fine. And that also helps with the, you know, one of the things we're always talking about. Player, player trust. trust. I was just going to say, it all comes down to player trust. They need to trust that you have their best intentions in mind. You know, I'm exactly. not making this ruling to F you over. I'm making this ruling because, in my opinion, it is the most fair way of handling this particular situation. Exactly. Or just, i sorry, but I can't foresee this being any other way. You know, and then, again, I going back to player trust, I think, you know, you just, as a DM, have kind of like an open-door policy is really mm-hmm. what it kind of comes down to, like... Come and see me after the game. My door is always open. If you ever want to talk about any decision that's ever made or to any any situation, any decision, anything ever, my door is always open. You can right. see me after the game. You can talk to me tomorrow. You can send me an email. You can call me. Send me a text. Do whatever you want. I will gladly go over what we did. You can tell me the page and paragraph where I was wrong. <laughs> or, you know, we can just have a general conversation if I was right or whatever. 
but yeah. just I want you to I want you to know that I'm not against you. Yeah. You know, and I want you to feel comfortable and and have fun playing this game too. You know what I mean? So it's kind of almost having like that that HR like the human resources open door policy where like you know you can come and talk to me at any time. And not only as an open door, players, you know, come talk to the DM. I think the DM should also be able to go talk to the players again. Yeah. You know, player trust. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, I've had times where I've. I've outright apologized to players for things that I've done in game or out of game because at the time I thought that was best. I realize now that that was wrong. Right. I understand that you may have been upset by it. I'm sorry that wasn't the intent. Here's what was going on. You know, can we, we cool bro. But I actually, I just went through this on the flip side of that. I'm essentially the most experienced person with fifth edition in one of my gaming groups. And I'm basically the, as Jerry, you may be for Jared's group, so I'm kind of the rules lawyer in this group, but the more the neutral term, mm-hmm. where if there's an issue, I flip right to it and I open it up. Yeah. Well, our GM... Uh, they have uh, to be receptive to that, though. And he is. He <laughs> okay. is. We're, we're pals. Yeah. But he kind of made a ruling. I'm like, I'm not sure that's how that works. So, and I might have been a little bit more adamant than I like to admit, mm-hmm. but it did come down to, all right, we'll do it your way, and then we'll check on it later. Mm-hmm. And then it, it turned out to be something that I was actually completely wrong on. And so, which happens, yeah. yeah. And so we had that discussion, and everything's fine. So it's yeah. it's again, it's all about player trust, trusting yeah. the GM. I have no problem being wrong. I'm perfectly okay with it. It's happened a great many times, and it will happen more times than I care to count in the future. I'm yeah. sure. So like, there's no point in making a big deal out of it. I mean, as a GM, I get easy rules long, wrong sometimes too. Like I, yeah, I screwed up on the last game. Yeah, and as oh, and well. as rules lawyer. If I say, oh, I can do this because it's in the rules, I'm remembering a specific situation, nobody questioned it. And it wasn't until I was flipping through later, I was like, oh, guys, I really screwed up. I, yeah. I shouldn't have been able to take a grapple as an attack of opportunity. That yeah. doesn't work that way in 5th edition. You know? Right. Uh, so, again, all the more reason why, you know, like, I trust you as, like, the, the, the yeah. again, not as a negative term, but as a neutral term of, you know, rules lawyer, because right. I know that you'll be fair on that, and you'll go back and, like, oh, this actually worked against me, my B. And it's definitely good to have that, or at least some good way of, like, when rules come up, how do we deal with them, how do we deal with them quickly so we can keep things flowing. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think the joke that we, term that we used once was game mechanics mediator. <laughs> you had another term for once upon a time, too, that I can't remember. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. game mechanics mediator, that definitely works. Especially just for just your rules role. lawyers so steeped in that negative. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I'm going to argue every little point to get the way I want. Yeah, right. You know, paragraph yeah. three, section B of the clause of the player versus DM. You word, know, you know, blah, word blah. five, if. Yeah. Now we need to get a definition of the word if. Yeah. So yeah. it's like we needed a definition of oh, the word what it, is. And is. that actually brings up this this bit. I, I love what a lot of people say is, well, it doesn't say I can't do it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but it also doesn't say you can Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. deal with that how you will. Yeah. It's just a lot of things. Which it's not going to say you can't do a lot of things. But which it's led to the wonderful joke. Fireball of, doesn't say I can't fly a phoenix. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, the wonderful joke on that is well, there's nothing in the rules that says a dead character can't take actions. <laughs> uh huh. Uh, they probably changed it. This probably is a rule in this edition. I feel like they would have. Yeah. Dead status. In- incapacitated. Yeah. yeah, exactly. No, and specifically that when a character becomes dead, they become incapacitated. Yeah. Incapacitated yeah. is a status that has a definition. <laughs> Can uh, no longer take actions or movement. <laughs> so here, here's one of the other points that I know we wanted to touch on. Um, and we, we've mentioned it a few times, you know, come talk to me at the next break. And that is fitting in breaks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think that's of an important point to help people from getting burned out, to give everybody a chance to... You know, stretch their legs, right. hit the bathroom, smoke a cigarette, 
Yeah, every game session is going to start with everyone getting together and chatting a bit, and then you're going to pick up pick the pace up. If you have a short, like you know, maybe two three hour game, you know, break yeah, you might not be break, that no. important. But uh, sometimes you might have a long game. You know, I got one that can go up to eight hours, even longer. So sometimes mm-hmm. you're going to need to fit a couple breaks in there. People need to go to the bathroom. Yeah, a lot of it comes down to the length of your game. But I mean, on average, if you want to go by like research and statistics and blah, 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 keeping people fresh in general and not just at games, but like in the workplace and in these, you know, stressful environments and stuff. It's like, I think it's about 10 minutes every two hours is roughly the breakdown, which I mean, again, you want to keep your players fresh because if they start to get bogged down, especially if there's a lot of role playing or maybe you're playing a political intrigue kind of game that we're going to talk about down the road, you know, that stuff can get mentally exhausting. You know what I mean? Because obviously you're not doing anything really physical at the table. Unless you guys are LARPing or something at the table, which is um, odd. Um, <laughs> but, that you know. Is evil. <laughs> wait, wait, you, you don't do that? Uh, anyways, so, you know, but, you know, you can get, you just get mentally drained. You get, you can, you know, and it, yeah. also you can get emotionally drained depending on the game. Like, some people can get really emotionally involved in the game. You know, some groups are very driven on, like, you know, I've seen players cry at tables and stuff like that. So, oh, yeah. You know, it's just, it wears you down and you just need a break. So, I mean, just 10 minutes, not even a full 15 minutes, just, you know, 5, 10 minute break every two-ish hours. You know, I would say 5, but you know it's going to turn into 10. You know what I mean? That kind of right, thing. Right, right, right. You know, always planning and almost doubling every, whatever you say. You say 15 minute break, we almost always take like a 25, 30 minute break. That's why I like to shoot for like, say 5 or 10 minutes and hope it turns into 10 or 20. Yeah. Yes. Don't worry, guys. We'll take a break when the pizza gets here. Right, right, right. Yeah. Again, if it's like an eight-hour game, like you were saying, you, you know, you, and I've been a part of those kind of games too. You know, like take like almost like a lunch break. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Ten-minute break. Ten-minute break. Half-hour lunch break. You know, forty-five-ish yep. minutes. If you're ordering pizza, you got to wait. You know, have someone order the pizza while you're still in the middle of the game. You know, about to wrap up for a little bit. Boom! It shows up. You have some time to eat, chit chat. You guys get to talk about and kind of recap of what's already happened in the game because it's been such a long session. What are we doing next? Yeah. Oh, man. What should we do next? Yep. I can't believe that happened with the queen and blah, 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 blah. And then, boom, you know, you kind of settle down. You know, you're getting a little bit of stuff from the pizza. You got soda in you and you're ready to play some more. And then, you know, maybe depending on what time you took the lunch break, you can go plow through the rest of the session. Maybe you need another 10-minute break, you know, a couple hours later. But, again, it all kind of boils down to the, the length of the game. Yeah, and I have a I have a long game that runs where it's actually usually one of the people will go and start actually cooking dinner for everybody. We'll do like a huge pot of spaghetti or something like that, mm. and the the and the kitchen has always just been adjacent to where we're playing, so they just kind of yell back what they're doing, pop in to do a roll, then back out to the kitchen and. You know, yeah. we rotate through on who has the responsibility of doing dinner, so yeah. it's not the same person every time. But yeah. it works out, and then we get a lunch break. Everybody gets to talk a little bit about what's going on and get back into it. Yeah, I mean, in our game for a while, we were averaging around six-ish hours. So we would usually end up having, like, even though it was a little bit of a shorter game for, like, a lunch. Yeah, and again, it was about six-ish hour game, but we typically end up getting lunch because it was going, you know, from lunchtime into the evening. People were getting hungry, so like we've we'd order Chinese, and one of the people would be like, "Do you need me right now?" Like, okay, we're role playing. Like, who's sacrificeable for a little bit? They'd go pick right, up right. Chinese, kind of thing. You know what I mean? Come back, take our break. Uh, but yeah, we'd always, almost always take like a, a lunch kind of break. So we'd we'd push it. So instead of going like two hours of break, two hours of break, we'd end up going like three to four-ish hours, take a lunch break, then finish up the game. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But we'd also utilize things like we're gonna 
we got a role play heavy session, half the party smokers. We're going to go outside and smoke while we're talking, while we're role-playing. Right. Because yeah. we don't need to be at the table. We don't need to be rolling dice. Yeah, I've done that uh, a bunch of times. Definitely an effective use yeah. of your time is role-playing while people are still getting away from the table, stretching their feet, getting their blood going, yeah. smoking their cigarettes, especially if you have a smoke-heavy you know, group. Now our groups are more non-smokers, but in the back of the day it was like 90% smokers because, yeah. you know, thankfully I've quit in the last year or so. so that I'll helps. say, actually... Um, Jerry, you mentioned rolling the dice. That actually gives me another idea for um, one way you can help the flow of your game is if you have, know you have to roll more than one die on any given roll, roll it. So, like, I know we weren't going to focus on combat much, but, you know. Well, that's not necessarily if combat if, you know, if exclusive. So. Exactly. If you're hitting with your longsword, roll your d20 and your d8 at the same time. Yep. Yeah, yeah that's definitely something that I noticed that you do. Uh, is roll your your to hit and your damage at the yeah. same time, which is uncommon, but uh, I mean definitely effective. It definitely speeds up the rolling process. I, I mean, a big thing with advantage and disadvantage is I don't usually roll a d twenty and then a d twenty again. You know, I roll both my d twenties. Okay, right. did I hit? Yeah. Did I miss? I have a player who has a feat that once per round you can re-roll your weapon damage and take the better total. But he can only make one attack per round, so every time he attacks, he just rolls two sets of damage dice and takes whichever one's yep. better. Yeah, I mean, it's a little thing, but they got little things like that yeah. add up, and they speed up things. Yeah. Uh, so we do have just a few minutes left. There's one other uh, flow, inf- uh, game flow that I wanted to touch on issue. Um, cell phones and outside distractions. How do you handle yeah. Well, I mean, it, it's rough because people want to be on their devices. You know, I mean, the more we go into the technological age, the more connected to these things people are going to get. So... Uh, you know, but it really comes, I guess, comes down to, are they paying attention to the game? You know, if they're not distracting your game, that's fine. But if they are, you know, maybe they got to, you know, uh, close the screen on their laptop or maybe they got to put their phone down or whatever, you know, or at least be aware of when it's their turn. You know, a lot of players will take, and th- this actually can be a more general thing. A lot of players will take, uh, will wait to decide what they're doing until it's their turn. They should know when it's their before. Oh it's yeah, their turn. I know what. Like I, I plan a few steps ahead. If something changes that, then I change my plan. But which unfortunately does happen quite often. Yeah. So you know, and you can't fault them for that. You know, like sure. the, you know, you're you're going right before me initiative. You just fireballed all the goblins. I was planning on charging the goblins. Oh crap! I just now mm-hmm. realized that the information has changed, and I need to think of a new plan. Yeah, maybe encourage your players to to think up contingencies. If you notice that they're having some you know trouble trying to figure out what their character does on their turn, be like, okay, well, think of what you want to do, and then think of the other thing you would do if that's not available. Mm-hmm. So if they do blow up the the goblins, and you know uh, you were going to charge one of them. Well, maybe the ogre that was with them is still up and standing. Go after him instead. Yeah. You know, or something along those lines. Maybe there's a runaway cart. Chase that down. And yeah. to, help, you know. to help facilitate, I had a DM once who would actually call out if there was a player on deck. So it's Ed's oh, turn. Idea. Yeah. Jared, you're up next. So that way, during Ed's turn, Jared can look at, here's what's going on. Here's... Almost all of the information, the only thing that's going to change is whatever Ed does on his turn. Right. So that I can be ready on my turn. And then, okay, Jared, you're up. Steve, you're on deck. Right. So if they are on their laptop, you know, posting their latest, you know, funny cat image, 
And you can say, hey, bro, you're on deck. So they'll be like, okay. And they'll start maybe paying attention. And then it's their turn to do the thing. And then Dude. once they're done, they can go back to the cat images. Dude, yeah. where'd the goblins go? Yeah. yeah. That's always the best. To address the tech question, <laughs> I kind of, uh, I think it's more of an unspoken rule because I've never really declared, hey, no cell phones at the table or anything like that. But it's kind of an unspoken rule, in my opinion, that like, don't be on that crap. You know what I mean? But at the same time, I see it all the time. Right. So I kind of treat it the same way I do, like, with the whole, like, you're all in the same, like I said at the very beginning of the episode, like, you're all in the same room, but I'm talking to these people and you guys are talking over there. You're not really paying attention to what's going yeah. on. I'll kind of treat it the same way of, like, you're not paying attention. So there's a guard sneaking up behind you to stab you in the back. Right. No, that's <laughs> true. Know, that kind of thing. Force them to pay attention. Force them to get off their crap. Um, You know. So that's kind of how I approach it. I tried to, you know, basically make there be cause and effect, man. It's like it's all about cause and effect, especially in role playing games. Like I really think cause and effect is like one of those like it's an undertone rule that's not really spoken aloud. You know what I mean? But like you do X, so Y is happening. Well, you're not paying attention to the table, so you're getting stabbed in the back. You know what I mean? Right. You know. So that's kind of how I treat that. Um, as far as the combat thing, I've been talking, or I've been, I shouldn't say, unless I've been talking to myself, but I've been thinking about <laughs> uh, adopting what Chris Perkins from D&D does and just be the whole, it's your turn. If you don't tell me what you're doing within, I mean, not like a specific time, not like I'm going to have a timer and say you have 30 seconds, but like if you don't act or know what you want to do, like, oh, you don't know what you want to do? Okay, well, then you don't know what you want to do in game. Next. Yes. But I'm not going to sacrifice their turn. What he does is as soon as they decide what they want to do, they can jump right back into the initiative within the same round. So they're not losing their turn. It's just their characters, you know, they slash their character, you know, kind of role-playing it out, are confused about what action they need to take. Yeah. But technically it's been their, they've been allowed to have their actions. So at any point that they figure out what they want to do, they can jump in. Yeah. They just need to be polite about making sure and let me know. So they're not going to try to start spouting it off in the middle of someone else's turn. Right. It might change your initiative, but they still get to go. Right, exactly. Yeah. So you should have went on 15. We're down to 12. Round's almost over. Oh, you finally figured out what you want to do. Well, you're going slower in this round because you didn't know, but you still get your action. I'm not going to take that from you. Right, right. But you're acting slower than you would have because you didn't know what the hell you wanted to do when it was your time. Yeah. All right. So there's about the point where we can wrap it up for today. Uh, discussing game flow and definitely feel free to follow up. If you have any additional comments or questions, you can check us out on Facebook. We are on Twitter, GMS studios, and we are on our message boards, gamemasterstudio.proboards.com. We have new episodes here every Tuesday that we will be posting. We still have a long list of items to work through, but if you have anything specific that you'd like to hear, Get in touch with us. Let us know what you want to hear. We'll see what we can do about moving them up the list. We're headed out for now, but we will see you next time we are in the studio.